there and welcome to the SBP podcast, The Voice of Mobile Film. I'm your host, Susie Botello, and I introduce you to episode 21. Our guest is Jason Van Genderen in Australia. We met him just a few days before this podcast. Uh, Jason has been making films with mobile phones since 2008. It's actually kind of crazy that we have not met him until now, 10 years later. But uh, we're going to introduce you to Jason in this podcast, and he's going to share his latest project, Film Breaker. So we have some news regarding our film festival in San Diego. But first, we want to share our newest sponsors, San Diego Real Estate Veterans. They've been a sponsor for the last couple of years and are obviously in San Diego. You guys, thanks for sponsoring again this year. Uh, we're very grateful for your support. And we have a lot of respect for the work that you do for veterans. Our newest sponsor this year is Black Box with Patrick McGowan, who is based in Canada. Don't let their name fool you. They found a great out-of-the-box solution for filmmakers and videographers, which they're sharing with their global mobile film community. You can find our sponsors on our homepage, our collaborators page, and our MFF page. You'll find that on the menu. That's what we call our event page for the film festival each year. Um, Go to www.mfff.com. InternationalMobileFilmFestival.com. Okay, really quick. Awesome big news coming to you right now. We shared in a previous podcast, episode seven, actually, a filmmaker in New York, Brian McLean. He shot Hollywood actors with his iPhone and made a feature length film, The Killer's Requiem. That's the name of the movie. Well, Brian's film is going to have a special screening in the International Mobile Film Festival here in San Diego, and Brian is going to give a lecture. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Uh, One of the actors in the film is going to be at the film festival, and he's going to do a QA. and a Our VIP special guest speaker is Tim Russ. Yes. Tim Russ from Star Trek Voyager. His role in the series was Lieutenant Commander Tuvok. So that's really exciting. We're also expecting a good number of official mobile filmmakers whose films are screening at the film festival, and I am super excited to see them. We have a lot planned for this year's film festival, and we are more than happy to share it with everyone. As a matter of fact, when this podcast airs, tickets will be on sale. So go to our website to get your tickets because space is limited. And we're already hearing from a lot of people who are not willing to miss out. So go get your tickets, internationalmobilefilmfestival.com. Okay. Speaking of missing out, let's not miss out on the stories that our guest has to share with you. Let's go now to Australia and talk with Jason. Hi, Jason. How 
are you doing? Hey, Suze. Uh, look, I am ecstatic. I'm actually really thrilled to meet you uh, via this podcast and actually uh, make the introduction and say hello. So thanks for having me on the show. Well, thank you for coming on. You know, you're you're in Australia. I know that. But yeah. um, what part of Australia are you in? Look, I always tell people Sydney because it seems to be the one city that everyone knows. But I'm actually, I, I'm, I cheat a little bit when I say that because I'm, I'm roughly about an hour and a quarter north of Sydney. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I call a little place called Terrigal Home, which is a, a relatively sleepy little seaside sort of shopping village. Um, not too many people, nice little quiet beach. And uh, yeah, it's a, a beautiful little place and very fortunate to have my office here as well. Ooh, sounds like a great location and setting for a movie. Look, you know, I would welcome any movies that want to come along here, and and often most people would see a lot of the videos that I shoot. Um, I, I often have the beach in the background, and I'm very fortunate. It's only like a three minute walk away to to get a very nice uh, picturesque background behind me. So yeah, it's a it's a gorgeous spot. Well, that's awesome. Well, you know, um, people that have come from Australia to our film festivals and and from previous podcasts and so forth. But um, they say San Diego and Australia are very similar. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, but now some of our guests. I've never been to San Diego, but I would absolutely love to to come and experience it because I have heard magical things about it. It, it is. I mean, for one thing that's magical, there's the uh, International Mobile Film Festival. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> come, come and make, make it more magical. <laughs> I'd um, love to. So, uh, so okay, so uh, I, for our listeners, um, Jason, uh, you know, it's, it's funny that you can never find enough people into, in this uh, mobile filmmaking industry. Jason has been making films since 2008, right? Yeah, it actually made me feel really old this year when I realized that it's been 10 years <laughs> since I started filming on mobile phones. I, I just, it really, it was a reality check. I was like, wow, I've been at this for 10 years. That's, that's a long time. Well, you know, when I started launching this, I was, um, it was in 2009. Uh, yeah. and, and early on too. And so for me, it was kind of like, where were you? <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, Susie, what, how, like how many smartphone films were around in 2009? There really were not that many. As a matter of fact, uh, what I did was I went on YouTube and looked, you know, yeah, and right. searched. And you know what I came across? I came across little music videos, but that was actually more like, closer to 2010 where there were some uh music videos which to me were very creatively done and of course in music videos you know they have to be creative so there was a lot of like trickery you know with people appearing and disappearing and things like that you know um and that was really interesting and i and i would go on comments and I would say, hey, you should put your film into the International Mobile Film Festival. And I'd get no response. No yeah, response right. whatsoever. No. Uh, so, yeah, there weren't really any that, that I could see. And, I mean, I, of course there were video clips and, you know, skateboarders, you know, little things like that. But nothing um, that resembled anything like what we're looking for for a film festival. Fascinating. That's amazing because I, I definitely remember feeling very much like a lone soldier back in 2008 when <laughs> when I started making my first mobile phone film. I, I remember that feeling of um, 
huge experimentation, but it was really just such a process to explain to people continually all the time that I'd made this film on a smartphone. It was actually a very old little Nokia um, N95, had a little slide-out keyboard on it, and uh, yeah. Didn't, didn't Nokia make the uh, the first camera on the phone? Quite possibly, maybe. Yeah, I think they did. I think they were the first brand uh, to actually start this. Uh, wow. Kind of a little well, not not so well known. Um, but, you know, uh, video, video cameras on the phones. I mean, as soon as there was a photo capability, right, mm -hmm. you know, just like in motion pictures, that video follows. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think that's that's an exciting thing we're seeing in the app space now. We're seeing all these amazing things coming out first for for still photography, and then we know, uh, you know, it's only a matter of months away before that gets adopted for video as well, which makes that app space so exciting for us as creators. Well, I actually know that uh, the 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 manufacturers of the phones on the on the camera apps, you know, the native apps. They're mm -hmm. always looking for ways to, I mean, they're, they're stealing ideas basically from the app creators, uh, yeah. which ones are the best ones, and then they are going to use them and put them, like, remember when Apple came out with the uh, setting and locking the exposure and the focus, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, that wasn't available, but there, there started to be some, uh, my grammar is horrible right now, but... Uh, apps started to come out with those features, right? Yes. And so they thought, oh, we got to include that. They didn't include the white balancing. And I think that's also because um, it's really not so necessary most of the t time, you know, because the cameras are sort of consumer friendly. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I was very fortunate last year to um... – to spend half a day with uh, one of the, the VPs from Apple and from Apple Park. And, and that was one of the questions I actually asked was, um, you know, how come we don't have white balance or color balance um, as, a, as a feature within the standard uh, camera app on the iPhone? And the, the answer to that was actually quite stunningly beautiful. And that is their whole philosophy is to make that camera app so incredibly easy and simple to use so that more people will use it. And the more manual functionality they build into it, the, the more difficult they make it for people that aren't photographers to use. And so they do really, you know, I, I certainly know brands such as Apple um, work very hard at automating a lot of that technology in the camera craft, but they also obviously work very hand in hand with app developers that try to encourage them to introduce manual functionality for those sorts of things. And obviously that's one of the, one of the reasons most people will switch to a, um, a third party camera app on a, on an iPhone platform is to start getting ma more manual control over things such as white balance and focus and exposure, having some deeper controls on that. But you know, it, it made sense. I mean, we, we think the iPhone can't really do color balance, but it's it's in it automatically, and if you're holding something white or you're wearing a white shirt when someone takes a photo, it's already measuring the color balance already. As you said, uh, it's it's sort of happening invisibly in the background. Yeah, and and you know what? I could almost hug that guy <laughs> because that's exactly how it should be. You know, yeah. because you know my 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 mission in this is that anybody any age can pick up a phone. Turn it horizontally. <laughs> yeah. Hit record. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. Hit record and and go and go from yes. there. And then they can just focus on the story. Yeah, and absolutely. and you know, I want to talk about the story because when, mm. when I saw these films that you sent me, 
right? My reaction wasn't like, you know, what a lot of people's reaction is when they see a movie shot with a phone. They're like, ooh, this is pretty good for something that was shot with a phone. Ooh, you know, (laughs) it was more like, oh, my God, these are awesome stories. Oh, thank you. You know, and I and I can say that because I've seen a lot of films shot with Uh phones. And, you know, and that's what I look for is the story and how it's structured. I'm not really, to me, it's no big deal that it was shot with a phone because I think I've been conditioned to that already. I can well imagine, yeah. Yeah, so. I think it's incredible how, uh, I mean, from my journey very much, I used to film on all sorts of cameras and and I I run my own production business here in Australia, so we do a lot of commercial work and the like. And for me, it was really very much that 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 switch flipping back in 2008 when, for me, that 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 Nokia that I had in my hand was the first camera I had with a with a capacity to record video with, and I remember looking at that, thinking, you know, I wonder if one day this is how we will actually capture stories and films. And to be completely honest with you, the films that I'd made previous to 2008 weren't all that great. weren't were technically very nice, very beautifully shot, and very well made. But they weren't very great, very good stories, and it took me that 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 experience of working with with my first smartphone film in two thousand eight to actually wake wake up and and go, well, you know what, my style of filmmaking needs to have much simpler camera equipment. I need to surround myself with something that's a bit more accessible, something that's ready to capture the moment when the moment happens around me, and and that was something I just wasn't able to capture with with larger camera setups, and so yeah, it's it's very much become part of my storytelling style and and I don't even think about it anymore now when I'm filming with smartphones for me it's just that's just my tool of choice and and I'm so used to using that I don't even dream of filming with a DSLR or something else I I actually really enjoy that process and um, I found it really liberating as as a, a storyteller it's really helped me become a better um, storyteller because I've, I've been able to concentrate on the thing that matters, which is that the essence and the heart of the story as opposed to how I'm going to make it. That's exactly, you know, you were talking about doing uh, corporate videos and things like that. And I, I worked in that industry for, I mean, I've, I've been working in, in the, the video production and some film as well for well over 15 years. And wow. they called me, they used to call me the B-roll queen. Uh, and that was because, you know, in B-roll, right, well, a lot of people don't know what that is, but that's basically, yeah. well, you guys just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when you're, when you're, I, I could take um, the worst footage and just, you just need a few seconds of whatever mm-hmm. you're looking for. You know what I'm saying? And then I yeah. could take the best footage and, and chuck everything out except for what I'm really looking for. And and just the way that you juxtaposition those things on the timeline, right, can tell a story by itself. And I think the unexpected way we can put B-roll together too is just it's it's the it's the serendipitous visual glue and story. It's a way that we can actually make an audience unexpect something that's coming, and I think that's really, really nice to do. Yeah, isn't it funny because we're connecting visually something, right, with the audio, mm-hmm. right? And that's actually connecting with the viewer. At the, so there's a lot of connecting going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Jason, before we get too far um, in, um, why don't you tell us, you know, tell our listeners, Emmy, 
uh, a little bit about your background and what inspired you to even go this route in the first place from video and then to um, mobile film. Yeah, well, uh, thank you. Um, so my background was very much uh, I served, oh, I think it was roughly 14 years hard labour working in the advertising industry and um, my day-to-day -day job was, was that of an art director. And so I ended up working on a lot of TV commercials and the like as well. And I, I, I distinctly remember just wanting to look at stories that, that didn't fit within a 30 or a 45-second slot on television, <laughs> trying to look at something slightly longer format that could um, be a little bit more inspiring to work on and that didn't have to satisfy a brief and a budget. So that's really why I started playing with, um, with short film. And uh, at that same sort of time, there was a, a number of festivals here in Australia that were really embracing the short film format. So uh, as I said before, I, I really sort of started playing around with, with rel relatively high-end gear. I've, I've, um, some of my early films were shot on 16mm film as well. So worked on all sorts of gear, all sorts of cameras. Um, but again, those, those films really tanked. They didn't really work well. Uh, technically, they look great, but the, the story wasn't there. I still needed to grow as a, as a storyteller. And so for me, that, that um, the evolution into picking up smartphones and simplifying my production kit really allowed me to focus more on the things that mattered around me. And uh, in large part, a lot of the, the films that I've had success with um, are, are very autobiographical. So I, I tend to really be documenting a lot of things that go on in life around me. It's, and uh, I've had someone say to me before that my films seem to be a little bit of therapy um, for my life. And, and I guess they are. I've, I've ended up make, making films um, about being a single parent, um, about uh, losing a parent to cancer, um, a lot of social justice issues. I think it's really just an exploration of the, the environment around me. And, and film seems to be a really convenient way for me to, to share that with, with um, not only large audiences, but international audiences. And, and the connections I've made through those stories have, have inspired me to go into the next chapter of my life. You know, when you just said that, it just dawned on me right now um, mm -hmm. that um, the imagination that goes through in, you know, creating something out of the air creatively, science fiction, right? And yeah. then the, the stories that we hear from people, like, you know, you go to a coffee shop and someone starts telling you their story. Uh, I don't know if that happens to you, but it happens to me all the time. All the time, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and those stories, you know, so the stories that you hear from people about their lives and, 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 and you can connect with those. Um, mm. And the other stories, they're more like where you'd like to go to. They're more like an escape, the science, yes. science fiction. And so I think that that's the they're, – they're both very good for us. I mean, we're talking – you were saying therapy. So one is like it really connects you and, and opens your – you know, helps you walk in somebody else's shoes or maybe see where you've been in a different light from someone else's experience and the sci-fi is just, I mean, we all need that. <laughs> we yeah. all need escape sometimes from fits. reality. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that's, for me, film will continue to be that explorative medium. So it's really, um, you know, I, I find myself, even when I, when I go into one of my, my film projects, um, I, I really just love being, I, I look at myself as an audience member, but with a camera. So for me, the, the way I shape a story is I'm trying to really think about 
how this connects with a broader society and then what can I learn from the process of making the story as well. That's very good and that's how you're going to connect to your viewers. Mm. You know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, so now let's talk, well, I want to ask you something actually really quick here. Sure. Uh, your first film that you shot on Nokia, that, that, did that ever go on a big screen? It did. It it um it played in New York City at a festival called Tropfest New York, and and Tropfest is um a, a film festival here in Australia. It's the largest short film festival we have here in Australia. Um, it happens once a year uh, in summer in a big park, and we have somewhere between eighty and ninety thousand people that turn out for this festival in in this one location. It's like it's like a, a rock star event for for yes. short film. And they play 16 films and then, uh, you know, those films get awarded prizes on the same evening. It's, it's very instant. It's amazing, amazing vibe. Anyway, they had a, a New York chapter of the festival and that's what I'd entered um, my 2008 film in and that was called Mankind is No Island. And that was very much a um, uh, an experimental film where I walked around and I filmed words on signs, on street signage, on shops, on footpaths, anywhere where I could see signage with with words. I would film those words on my little Nokia, and uh, you, you know those those magnetic poetry kits that people have on fridges where they have a jumble of words and someone comes along and makes mm. up a line, and then someone else comes along and joins something else to it. Yes. Yeah. So it was very much like that, but in a video sense. So I just collected all of these words. Um, over a number of weeks uh, in my spare time, and I ended up, I think, with a with a, a dictionary of around twelve hundred words. Mm-hmm. And I remember Bluetoothing them to my Mac, and then I started sticking them together. And a great mate of mine, John Roy, uh, who's a fantastic composer, I remember having a conversation with him, saying, "Look, I'm going to put together this little crazy film where I'm just going to stick together words that I find on signage to create this whole new vernacular and a and a narrative." And I discovered by filming these words that. Um, I didn't really have a story, to be honest. This, this was such an experiment when I started out. Uh, and if you look at the, the whole rule book of how not to make a film, it would be full <laughs> of my face because I looked at this thing. I had no script. I had no storyboard. I didn't have a budget. I really had no clue about what I was doing other, other than that notion of experimentation. So, And because it was such a low-cost me- or a no-cost medium, really, being a smartphone, it was something I could be playful with. So I captured these words. I, I found by by walking around on the streets of Sydney and eventually New York um, with my great mate Shane Emmett, uh, who, who came ac- uh, on board as a production partner for it, we we found ourselves really moved by um, the 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 invisibility of our homeless populations wherever we went, and th- so we ended up making that the theme of the film. So we wanted to really question that whole idea of how visible are, are homeless people in your hometown, and. There's not a spoken word in this film. It is all imagery. It's all words. And John Roy scored together this amazing piano piece for it, which um, I think in large parts this film was so successful because of the piano score. And uh, three and a half minutes long, we entered it into Tropfest in New York. Uh, our, our principal aim was just to be accepted into a fist, into an international festival of some kind with a film that had been made on a smartphone. That was our only ambition, uh, and lo and behold, we, we got accepted and then we, we ended up um, winning as well. And seeing that film play on a huge inflatable screen in Battery Park City in New York was just a, an absolute turnaround moment for me in my life because I remember standing at the back of the audience, there was about 6,000 people crowded in in that area, and 
my heart was in my mouth when my film was about to come on the screen because I'd just been watching all of these incredible films with very high production values and, and fairly decent budgets playing before mine. And then then this little film was 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 going to crack onto the screen and I really was worried that the audience was just going to start shuffling around and be disinterested and start laughing. Um, and, uh, again, it was the completion of the experiment. As soon as that film crackled onto the screen, um, the moment that almost made me cry was, was just realising that you could make 6,000 people fall silent instantly within 15 seconds. And and that was the most humbling experience of my life to this day, to experience that kind of magnetism and a connection with a, with a crowd. And then I was hooked. I, I definitely had the bug and I, I knew that that was something I wanted to do time and time again. So I've been in search and chase of that moment ever since. <laughs> Wow. And, and you know, that was before HD came out on the phones, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was low resolution, VGA resolution uh, video. It was square format. It wasn't even high, uh, high definition. It wasn't widescreen. Um, it was really blocky and pixely. And, but you know what? The, the amazing thing was, Susie, was that people watched it and, and they didn't question or ask what it was filmed on. They just watched it for the story, and that's what I loved. And, the, yes. and it was a surprise to them afterwards to realise that it had been filmed this way. And I think that was the great connector for me was the fact that, wow, we can do this. We can actually make stuff that, you know, I don't have to have the latest, greatest $200,000 camera to make something that stands out in a crowd. I can actually make something under the radar. And and I think that's that whole true spirit of guerrilla filmmaking. It really it made me more hungry to chase for the stories that mattered in my life and how I could tell them. And certainly Mankind is No Island was the start to that process. And then since then, I've, I've been very fortunate to have a number of opportunities to have uh, my, my other films screened on, on different screens all around the world, including um, Sundance London, where I had a, a documentary uh, screen that was also filmed on a, a Nokia. This time it was a Lumia 920, I think it was. Mm. And um, that was screened in the O2 arena and on a huge screen amongst films that were shot on much higher and, you know, higher production equipment. And it held up on its own. And, and again, people were really stunned and surprised to find out that it had been filmed on a smartphone. Well, you know, that was about the same 2008, uh, even 2007, uh, was about the time that I don't know about there in Australia, but here in in America, right? The film industry and the theaters were sort of going through this little bit of a dilemma, where the home box office was not doing so great, and people were neglecting the theater. And people were saying, "Oh, it's because they have their own home theater." And others were saying, "No, it's because all the stories are alike. They're all the movies are just superheroes mm -hmm. and action films, and they're all." These big budget, you you know, we like one film and then you make 300 of the same ones for the next 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, our marketing, the marketing, you know, successful uh, films. And so I that, think... That's Marvel Studios marketing plan, isn't it, right now? Right. And so, <laughs> well, you know, the, the thing is people are thirsty for stories, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's just, that's happened even before the first camera was invented. You know, when people were like drawing on cave walls, you know, that's what it was all about. The stories yeah. being told. So um, we can't get away from that. That's part of being human. Um, yeah, well, that's that's what connects us. And it's certainly that's yeah. what connects me as a, as a filmmaker is the, the, the chase of, uh, I guess, try, how does a broader context of an audience relate to the message that I make and um, what can I learn from their reactions and responses? I think it's, 
it's fascinating. I, I always try and go to festivals where, where my films screen because that's the moment, I think, as as a filmmaker that you actually can learn and understand what your work does and and how it reaches an audience. I think it's very difficult to do that in an online sense because you, you might post your work on YouTube or Vimeo and or an online film festival and um, people might, you know, you, you can see all the views clicking up and, uh, th- but it's, it's a strange metric. It's not a, it's not a, um, a membrane where you can actually interact with the experience of watching a film. So I think that that live experience of watching films is still really important. Yeah. You know, when I, what, the first time I thought I was going to do a film festival to get this ball rolling was in 2005. Wow. And, um, but it would have been an online thing. You know, the, the videos uh, were not ready for that at the time, yeah. you know. Um, and, well, that and, was the same year that YouTube came out, was it, 2005? Yes, and that was the other thing that, uh, you know, I was telling you I was in the, in the video industry. I had, you know, people coming to me and asking me professionally how to put a, 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 a video on YouTube that, didn't, yeah. that, that, that came out okay. And I was like, oh, you got to use Flash. Oh, what is that? I'm like, you don't want to go there. <laughs> you know? um, so I wasn't even ready for that. And it, it was just like, oh, got to keep waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, and finally, in 2009, I was like, that's it. You know, somebody's got to just do this or it's yeah. never going to be the time. You know, they're never going to make better cameras, you know. And uh, and YouTube by that time was already doing better. It was a lot easier. It was still tricky. You yeah. know, but uh, but I think that's uh, the other part of the online thing was I wanted a film festival because people did tell me, well, just make it an online film festival. I'm like, that's just another website. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, I want these filmmakers, if I'm going to launch something that hasn't been done, done before, of course, I didn't know you. Uh, but uh, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be it's going to it's from the beginning it has to earn the respect of people. So it needs to start way up on top, like on a big screen, red carpet, networking, Q&A panels, the whole works. And everybody was yeah. like, oh, but that's not going to happen. I'm like, it's going to happen. I'm just going to get the ball rolling and I'm not going to give up on it because this is this is the future, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the, the going to a film festival is magical. That's just so magical. It's so important. One of the things I tell film students a lot too is is it's the, the greatest learning opportunity I think you can have as as a student filmmaker is to to actually try and immerse yourself in as many live festival experiences as you can and going along and actually understanding and seeing how films and stories land with a live audience because it's it, it, you 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 can sit in a studio you can sit in a, a production room and you can create a story and you can post it online and you can never have that that one-to-one interaction with an audience and never really get that feedback. But I think it's the best feedback. Even if you don't have your own film to submit to a festival, I think it's just to go along for inspiration and understand how films and stories connect. And I think, I don't know of any creative that doesn't go along to a film festival that doesn't get inspired by, you know, three, four incredible stories and responses from an audience that that then walks away with a a spark of an idea that, that germinates into another story for them as well. You know, what I find in, in, in our film festival here is that the inspiration comes from each other. Each The filmmakers get together, and, and this is probably true with all film festivals, but also because it's such a new technology to so many 
that yeah. they're just able to just jump in. So you have professionals and then you have complete novices and people that don't know anything about filmmaking, but they made it, you know, yep. and they did something cool. And so they all have something to sort of learn from each other with, and they're inspiring each other as filmmakers using the phone. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, hey. Yeah, right. High five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now tell me, let's go let's go into this other thing I've I've been anticipating. I hope you don't mind that I'm gonna bring this up. So I'm rubbing my hands together here. Um <laughs> so there's this uh little thing that you did. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. There's this huge uh thing that you launched. Uh was it? Well, okay, so you're so Australians for our audience, I'm in San Diego. And yep. you're in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazily. So I am. I'm, I'm a good um, – how many hours ahead of you am I? You're like, I don't know, like 16 hours or something. 16. I don't know. So what do you want to know? Is there like a lottery or something you want me to just give you some numbers? <laughs> no, what I want to know is so, um, so, when, so here I'm thinking it was the day before yesterday, right, mm-hmm. in the evening here. But really it was, what, just yesterday or something for you when you launched – Ta-da. Go ahead and tell everybody what you did. Yeah. So, look, it was, again, this feels like that same experimental moment that I had back in 2008. And I, I reached this position. I don't know about you, Susie. I, I find myself, I've worked in this industry now professionally for a long enough time to um, to understand the way things generally work. And I'm still absolutely stunned despite my whole body of work, all the things I've done, all the commercials that I've airing on Australian television, all the things that I do, all of the great people I've got connectivity with, it still stuns me that every single time I walk into um, an event or an a industry networking, blah, 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 and when, I, when someone asks me, oh, what are you working on or what are you doing, and if I open up with that line of, so I've been working on this thing on, on my iPhone, and instantly, it is it is like literally a nanosecond later. I can see people's eyes glazing over, yes. and going, "You are not serious. You 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 call yourself a sorry. You're, you're a, you you make content. You make commercials. You you make short films, but you're not even filming them on a camera. And and the credibility thing just flies out the window. I might as well be standing sort of invisible at the back of the room, um, you know, like a fourteen year old. It's it, it was just. I just found that that complete disconnect really, really interesting, and and I found myself defending smartphone uh, filmography so much, and so much of my conversation when I go to these events is really exactly that. It's I can almost roll it out now like a script because I know exactly the things I need to say to get the conversation going. But it it got me thinking that. I knew that I wasn't the only one that was experiencing this. And the more that I started understanding festivals such as yours uh, and meeting filmmakers from different different uh, nationalities and uh, different parts of the world, I, I just really started feeling this overall urge that we needed to do something more, something new, and that there was people not just shooting cats and dogs videos for YouTube, that people were really shooting incredible stories that looked spectacular, that that played out emotively and that moved an audience one way or another. And the fact that those people still struggled every single day to be recognised by their peers as being active contributors to the film industry staggered me. And 
even even nowadays when when I've been winning a film festival or, or when I've had a film that was shot on a, mar- a smartphone that actually uh, did something surprising somewhere around the world, uh, you know, doing the media interviews afterwards, the, the 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 conversations that get sparked by people saying like, so wow, you really just shot this on a smartphone and and you can do that these days and and the quality is okay and you know we all know that the quality is there, we all know what our smartphones is capable of. And I, I just, I found myself just really, to be honest, Susie, I just really started getting fed up with the fact that I felt like I was continually that emerging filmmaker kind of conversation. It was, I felt like I was the work experience kid in, in every room that I went into. And I just really got sick of it. And at Christmas time, I was talking to my wife. I was just saying, look, it's really interesting when we think about the great cinema movements. And I started doing a little bit of research. And, you know, it, a lot of people would be familiar with, um, the dogma uh, cinematic movement back in 1995, which is really one of those revolutionary shifts and changes in in filmmaking where it was all about, you know, using ambient light and using uh, limited props in your production and available sound or not introducing production music over the top of a scene. There was a number of these different disciplines that kind of crafted together to form that ideology behind what a dogma film was. And then I started look, looking at other film movements and I thought wow this is a really interesting space and then you know the last um believe it or not the last film movement that's been recognized broadly around the world was back in 2002 it was called mumblecore and at its heart I think mumblecore is is sort of a a, a um a deviation of what dogma was about I, I won't get into the theory of all of that now but what I then looked at on this timeline was the fact that we've been looking at 16 years and there's been not a single new cinematic movement acknowledged in that time and yet we've we've moved into this space where we have never seen as many uh cameras circulated amongst communities all around the world the world we have never seen the the our our culture and our civilization so abundant with storytelling um and so abundant with storytelling from surprising corners from people that are armed with cameras the the unexpected tool the smartphone camera so then i just i started just raising it in conversation with people saying i think it's time we drew a line in the sand and tried to actually make something of this. And so, yeah, a couple of days ago, we, we put together a, a, an introductory video to sort of bounce this whole notion of a new cinematic movement. And we called it the, the film breaker movement and film breaker, because I hated going into a room and, and saying, Hey, you know, I'm a, when people say, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm a filmmaker. And of course the next question that comes out of their lips every single time is, so what films have you made that I'd know? And the chances are in any room that there'd be maybe one or two people that have seen something that I've made because I'm not making the conventional films that people, the big blockbusters that people see on the screen. And so I, I hated defining my whole career based on that. So I invented this term film breaker just purely because I still love making films, but I, I kind of break a few rules in the way that I make it. And I know that there's a lot of people around the world doing exactly the same thing. So we started this thing, this notion of a new cinematic movement called the Film Breaker Movement, we um, decided that maybe the, the best place to park that would be Facebook because we, we thought most people would have access to Facebook. It was probably a quickest and, and, and simplest way to make a community based around uh, this new movement. So we, we started a page, we put a video up, uh, we released it in the world. We, we th- thankfully, through the help of um, some wonderful advocates such as yourself, uh, helped us spread that message, shared that message, get that out there. And, yeah, my aim was for throughout 2018 to find 10,000 um, 
film breakers to help me found this new movement around the world. And that was going to be my whole endeavour this year was to go out there and do that and donate my time and services to as many festivals that would have me to come and run talks, to do workshops, to try and enlist people to join this this particular movement. And the great shock and surprise, as much for you as it was for me and anyone, was the fact that in 24 hours we reached 10,000 people. Yeah. And it went crazy. And uh, you know, it's every couple of days now, it's or every day, it's been ticking up another couple of thousand people. And it's it's just been, again, one of those beautifully humbling moments where I realized the connectivity that we all share and the fact that there are so many of us out there in this world trying to create stories this way, all yearning for um, a focal point to, to put our, our stories for a place where we can we can call home a place where we can be educated, where we can be uh, connected with each other, new technology, festivals, uh, screening opportunities, career opportunities. I think there's a space that, that we can carve out of this that, that makes that happen for all of us. And that's really what we want this film breaker movement to, to do is create that unifying um, force, that new community, so that when you go out there and say, you know, I make – uh, films on a smartphone, you don't feel like you it's a career stain. You feel like you can wear it as a badge of honour. And that's really what I want to do with this movement um, is, is to celebrate the tremendous work, the rich diversity of stories that we're now immersing ourselves in globally through wonderful festivals such as yours. Um, we need to really make that happen. We need to celebrate it as a, a time and a, a, a marked point in space, in cinematic history. So... I'm going for that. I want us through people power, the first people-powered cinematic movement, hopefully in history, to join together and actually say, you know what, we're here, we're relevant, and we, we count for something, and we want to make our mark, and that's what this is all about. Yeah, and the, the, I, I, I wouldn't – well, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the way that I am myself. I'm very loyal to the pioneers in any industry, you know, because then others will come along and just sort of – you know, want to get into the game, but mm. the, the ones that carved out the path for everybody else are really, really important because they really put their blood and sweat into it, trying to, not to be so literal about it, but, you know, um, and, but here, here's the thing, look, um, the way that I've seen this from the get-go, uh, I was working on a film set in Big Bear, uh, this is right before I said, that's it, I'm launching this mm -hmm. as soon as I get home. Uh, and this was in March, 2009. And, um, there was a guy there that had his uh, screenplay in his back pocket and he was uh, a PA, a production assistant for our yeah. listeners who don't know what the heck. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, he was a PA, he's working on this thing. Um, and he was, and I, and he says, Oh, Oh, I was a production coordinator. And he says, Oh, will you read my screenplay? And I said, right now, you know? <laughs> and he says, well, I mean, just to kind of take a quick glance at it, you know? And I said, I didn't even have to read it. I just looked at him and I said, do you always carry your screenplay because I can't imagine you knew I would be here today just for you to yeah. do that and he says I do he says every wow, single time stunning. yeah and I said why and he says because he says I've got this story and I'm just I have no money I don't know people in the industry this is like this should be a Hollywood film you know blah 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 <laughs> and I was like do you know how many people like you I mean personally I've met 
um, film sets or even, you know, people that would contact me. Oh, you work for a video production company. I want to get my foot in the door, you know. And I was like, this hurts me because I personally love filmmakers. They are a Mm. very unique people, you know. Uh, They are, they'll, they're, they're very loyal to their craft. They will, they will be up all night. They will get up at two, three in the morning. They will work a minimum day on the set is 12 hours. You know this. And, and they'll do it on and on and on again. And this be, this is their lifetime. And yet all they, all they want is to at least earn enough to get by and to continue to do this. Right. You got to love that in people. It's very special for people. Everybody thinks I'm going to go into the film industry and become this Hollywood hotshot. And you know, that only happens to three out of 3000 people. Well, th- 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 and then this it's is temporary. Exactly right. mm. And I think that's the, it's that elusive pipe dream that I think so many people are still always dreaming about Hollywood or Bollywood or, or some huge film market where they, they think that once I'm there, I've made it. And I think the great, the great shame is so many create wonderfully created people, uh, actors, writers, producers, directors, um, camera assistants are sitting there with an incredible idea in their mind or in their back pocket. Yep. And they're waiting for someone else to make it. They're, they're waiting, you know, um, their life away and every single year that they let that that time slip they're they're decreasing their chances of actually starting on that project and I've got some friends I've got some incredibly talented friends I've got one beautiful um writer friend who's an incredibly spectacularly talented writer of just tremendously funny comedies and she's had her work optioned by a number of different companies here in Australia on the promise of this film going into production or this TV series going into production. And she's playing this incredible tap dance game with these guys every year. And we've been having the same conversations for three, four, five years about some of her productions. And they're still not being made even when they've been optioned. And it's, it's as much for people like that, that this movement has a place because it's about saying, you know what, if I'm an actor and I've got a burning passion to share my skills with with the screen and with an audience and I want to act more than anything in my life. I've got this burning passion in my blood that keeps me awake at night where I live and breathe character and I want to be that character. Um, What I'm saying to these guys is stop waiting on someone else to make your pipe dream come true because there's such a slim chance of that really happening in a time frame you're going to be happy with. Tool yourself and arm yourself with the res- resource yourself with with the means available to you right now to get started with a project. Start that journey. The biggest hurdle we have is getting started. And you know what? You may not even finish your production on a smartphone, but you sure as hell can start it on a smartphone and get started with that dream and not let it slip slip away from you and escape you. And and this is really about putting a line in the sand and saying, I'm not waiting another five or ten years for my career to take off. I'm making my career take off now with the resources and the means I've got available to me. I'm ready. I'm ready. And we'll, I'm coming for you. And I think there's, that we know that there's already thousands of people around the world that have this same philosophy. And, and I think that's incredibly exciting and inspiring. Yeah. And you know what? To all our listeners I mean, obviously, they're here listening to this, not just because they're bored and they're looking for some podcasts. They're here because mm. they find they have some interest in this. You know, uh, I told them, you're going to be inspired in this podcast. And here's the thing. What Jason is doing 
what I what I did, right? You know, you were the filmmaker. I was the one offering you a platform, you know, of yep. high respect, right? So this, what he's doing now and what I'm doing and what I've been doing, this is for you, yep. you know, whether you have the experience, whether whether you don't, or whether if you are, you know, if you've only dreamed, you know, you can you can literally take the dream out of your pocket, right? And and make it happen. And we're here for you to do that. This is why uh, people like Jason and myself are doing this is for people like you. We're totally. not talking to the dead air. We're talking directly to you for a reason. You know, so you're so tell people a little more what the mission of Film Breaker is and um, how how this movement is going to affect uh, people. Well, maybe what might be a good thing to sort of introduce this with is is to talk about some of the core values that I think are really important to a movement like this, and and certainly a, a couple of the values that have inspired um, why I felt this needed to be something that went global and represented a lot of people. And um, I, I think ideally, we'll put a number on it. You know, say a year from now, we we have defined ten core values that define a film breaker film or a film breaker film breaker production. Um, what I'd, I'd like to suggest is is that we start with four that I've already kicked off and, and that we'll be sharing on the platform in the next couple of days. Um, and the other six I'd love to really find out from the, the, the community. I want, I want everyone else to come up with what those other six foundation values are. I want us to have really bright, active conversations about that and, and polls, and I want us to, to work out the, the ten most important things that matter to the smartphone filmmaking community going forward. And, and the things that, that should shape our productions. So one of the first um, core values that, that this was really established with was um, being resourceful, not resourceless. And, again, that really came back to that whole idea of that the old money in filmmaking is just not there anymore. Um, the chances of someone coming along and, and throwing you $3 million to make that epic film is like winning a lottery or, or worse probably. Um, so, you know, Having that pipe dream, that elusive pipe dream of saying, you know, I I, uh, I need a lot of money to make my film, maybe it's really about saying, well, let's be resourceful and, and think about the things you have got available to you. Um, let's let's look at unconventional ways you can give your story wings to fly and, and let it find its audience. Um, but, the, you know, the important thing is to feel resourceful, not resourceless, and to start making your production today, not waiting for some date that's never going to happen and there's so many different ways that we can now employ um to to actually start making a production you know we can do micro donations you can do crowdfunding um you, you can employ some super frugal production techniques and small crews um really great equipment through our smartphones and accessories to create really big looks so i think the idea about that that whole foundation value of of Making it with what you have rather than making it with with the things that you don't have is really, really important. And, and that's certainly, I think, with a lot of the film breakers that I've been speaking with in the last couple of days, that's that's a common um, a common trait that everyone seems to experience is they love thinking in alternate ways to make their productions happen. So that's that's one one of the core values. Um, the second core value that that I think is really important is is that we treat these things as tools, not toys. And when we walk into a, uh, a networking event or, or an industry event where people are, are being highly cynical of the, our tool of choice, our smartphone, we remind them that 
um, these things are telling real stories in real ways. And we have 4K resolution. We can record video at you know 100 megabits a second if we need to. So we can do spectacular color grading and and um, post production management on our files. We can attach anamorphic lenses. We can record with broadcast audio. We can we can introduce new angles of view that um, people with larger cameras can't. And so I think it's about understanding that we utilize our smartphones as a tool of choice, not a, a tool of liability. And it's not a second choice. It's a first choice we make when we create our productions. And I think that's really, really important. Um, we, we, we don't feel like we're, we're the poor cousin in storytelling. We're actually doing this because we know of its capacity and we know what we can create. And you know what? We can make a story for a couple of hundred dollars that, that um, we can get out in three weeks' time as opposed to waiting four years to make a film for $10,000 that um, still may not be made. Does that yes. make sense? Yes, and you still owe everybody. Absolutely. You know, your credit card smoking, you've borrowed money off mum and dad, you've, you've sold something, you've, you know, you're going without coffees for a year. I don't know what it is. There's so many people that are doing that. Um, you know, again, there's another way. And I think probably the, the third um, value that I think is really interesting to discuss too is I like to call it um, eyes as in our eyes in our face, not aisles, aisles in a cinema. And that is really just all talking about the fact that film stories don't just live in cinemas and cinema screens. And with you know, the, the huge amount of emerging technologies we've got available to us with, with great festivals such as the International Mobile Film Fest and many others, with direct-to-audience channels, we, we recognise that um, having your film seen in a cinema is not the only way that you should be able to earn a job description as a filmmaker. Um, this, you know, we do this because we, we, we love connecting with audiences and audiences are everywhere and there's so many different pipelines that we can now tap into to have our work seen and heard. So it's understanding that being a film breaker or a filmmaker does not mean that you just need to have, you know, your mark of success should not just be um, I've had a film commissioned that's now seen in a massive screen in a cinema. There's many other ways that our films can get seen. So let's celebrate that as well. And then the fourth value, I think, which is super important is, is that of diversity, and that is um, a film breaker community is really about inclusive filmmaking, not exclusive filmmaking. And time and time again, I think, you know, again, a common conversation thread I have with people is the fact that people feel that the film industry is very elitist and it doesn't represent them, it doesn't include them, it doesn't really speak to their hopes and dreams, and it doesn't let them in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that is a terrible shame. There is incredibly talented uh, storytellers all around us every single day that have spectacular contribu contributions to make to our industry. And they have an industry to represent. And it's, it's us. It's, it, they are film breakers. And we need to make sure that regardless of their tool of choice, regardless of their gender, their age, their ethnicity, their income level, that their story is important and it should be seen and heard and it unites our culture and it unites our history. It forms our history. So let's well, the, the, celebrate. The film industry is, is proprietary. Completely. Yeah. Yep. And I've had one person contact me yesterday saying, oh, I'd be really, really careful about um, you know, distancing yourself uh, or alienating yourself from the, the, the studio system and, and drawing a line in the sand. And the thing is, you know what, I, I, if I do that, then I, I'm really just not being faithful to what this course is about, which is about enabling people that can't get into that system and don't need to get into that system, to be honest. Um, there's, there's many different ways we can make stories count, and this is one of them. 
No, and and you know, look, uh, you're not alienating yourself from anything because even even those uh, professional people in the in the film industry with their hundred thousand dollar camera have mm. a phone. Totally, and and so. one of the great joys I've had is going to some fantastic film festivals with with very you know high ranking uh, producers and directors in attendance that come along and they'll see me walk, running around on the red carpet with my little iPhone with my little production rig around it and they stop me and they want to have a 10 minute conversation about just stop Jason and tell me what that is tell me what it can do because I've never seen that rig before explain that lens explain that microphone what can you capture and and the amount of playfulness that's in the professional industry that that is turning around and that that's the other very important thing to recognize and thank you for for reminding me is this is not just about emerging storytellers needing a, a, an entry point into their storytelling career this is a, as much about celebrating the fact that I know many, many very experienced people in the industry that are looking for more frugal ways to make their stories count, that that are turning around and looking at smartphones and going, you know what, I never knew, Jace, I never knew that this was possible and I never knew that I could still make this happen as a production by switching my toolkit. And uh, I've been contacted by three people today, in fact, that have been peddling away on projects for a number of years that have just decided today through the uptake in this movement to switch to a smartphone film production and get their project made. And that's the sort of stuff that just fills my heart with joy because I look at them and I go, these are people that are going to turn their lives around and actually give breath to their concept. And and isn't that incredible? That's, that for me, yeah, that's well, just an amazing position to be in. If you're a professional... I mean, look, I mean, how did film festivals come to be? Well, because filmmakers were making movies for studios and depending mm -hmm. on studios, but they had other films they wanted to make. The studios weren't going to buy them. They weren't going to distribute yeah. them. So they thought, okay, oh, we'll make this little movie house, right, where we share them in our own way we make them ourselves and we show yeah. them ourselves and that's how film festivals were born it's the same thing so for every steven spielberg that's out there they have a lot of projects that are not going to get that funding you know uh and and you know what i reckon steven spielberg if he was starting today uh, he would have picked up a smartphone and that's how he would have made his entry into his career too. I think yeah. that's that's what we're seeing. And you're seeing the, the likes of Steven Soderbergh saying at Sundance how he's done with the studio system and he's now switching to iPhones as a tool of choice. And we've got Unsane, obviously, that's going to premiere um, during March this year. Uh, with, with, you know, Ridley Scott, we've got so many people in the industry of note that are turning around saying, you know, this this is actually a viable way of making stuff. Yeah, well, that's the, the inspiration. We saw it with Tangerine, remember, where everybody got very energized and more inspired. You know, now whenever people, you know, oh, what do you do? Oh, you've heard of Tangerine? It's like, yeah. of course. And as soon as yeah. that came out, I got so many messages and tags here and there from people saying, look, Susie, <laughs> look. And I'm like, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm still getting tagged in on posts that find yeah. that people that friends of mine that find that now and go, Jace, you got to see this film. I go, I know I've seen it. I've seen it. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's going to keep happening, but it's amazing because when people, you know, people who know you, they know your passion and, uh, and they're going to reach out to you with anything that's remotely has, has anything to do with you know smartphone filmmaking and video so yeah, so go and, ahead and, and, yeah go ahead i know Susie, i was just going to say the other thing that i think is really important to point out too is is 
we're not saying this is the only way to make films, clearly. Um, and I've had a few people get a little bit defensive and say, oh, are you, are you suggesting, you know, that, you know, people can't shoot on DSLRs anymore because a, a phone can do what a DSLR does or um, – and, and of course not, of course not. That every, every cinematic tool of choice has its reason for being and has its style that it creates in storytelling and always will have its place, always. Yeah, this is just this is just a platform. That, look, when I first started my film festival, there were GoPros and iPods and blah blah mm -hmm. blah, right? But you know what I said? The one tool that, and going back to your reference as a tool, I, I've said this story. Maybe you haven't hear, heard it before. It's about the beginning of time. We all started out with a tool called a rock yeah. and a stick. Mm -hmm. Anywhere and everywhere in the world that you went to, everyone had access to those tools, the rock and the yes. stick. And then, you know, we invented other things. But this is the first time in our evolution as human beings where we, you can go around the world and you see the same tools. And it's not a rock and a stick. It's a smartphone. Yeah. So that in itself is a clue. And it was for me to, to envision that there's that in communication. That's why, you know, we connect in communication and we, we storytell the same rock and stick that we use to, to share stories on a wall inside a cave, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, the, that's the smartphone today that we use to post things in social media, to share our little stories throughout the day, to call mom, right? And to make movies. Totally. I, I wish this was video, Susie, because I'm I'm nodding my head vigorously. It's almost bashing the keyboard. Um, I didn't want to interrupt what you're saying, but absolutely, uh, here, here. That's that's completely um, what this is about. And I think, you know, again, it's you know one of the comments that came through before. And I, you know, all this robust conversation this is generating is is fantastic. I love it. But someone's saying, you know, oh, there's more to just making a film than having a, a camera tool in your pocket. Of course there is. I mean, the whole idea of, of having a great unexpected structured story that resonates and, and communicates with an audience is always going to be there. But to be honest with you, I've seen, and I'm sure you have too, Susie, I've seen films that have been shot on on black magic and red cameras that that were crap, that absolutely tanked, that had no thought into the story. They were they were produced on some beautiful equipment, but there was no real story there. So everyone is capable of producing a really bad, crappy story on any camera. You don't need a great camera to produce – or a, you don't need a simple camera to produce No, bad... and you know what? On the flip side, Jason, everybody is capable of making a movie. They just don't know until they try it. But the film industry in Hollywood would like your, all of us to think that only they can do it. Mm -hmm. But I, I, yeah. that's been my dare since day one. I dare you to make a movie because once <laughs> you make one, you will need no one's, you will not need anyone to inspire you. You will inspire yourself. That's right. That's right. I think that should be your line for the festival. I dare you to make an entry. Like I think that's, you know, and, and wow. exactly the same thing. The people that I've seen that have made a film this way and, and actually discovered what it's like to actually uh, create something that communicates that they can be really super proud of is amazing. And, and you know, some of the some of the most talented young filmmakers I've seen come up through festivals here in Australia have, have come up that way and and have come from non-traditional filmmaking backgrounds have not gone to uh, film college or university that that have just 
simply had a, a moment in life where they said, you know what, I'm going to give this a try and I'm going to really devote some energy to it and discovered that they've got an act for it, that they can really do it. Well, I don't think there's a person left alive unless there's someone alive that's over 150 years old that has never seen a movie of some sort. Mm. You know, it yeah. is engraved in generation and generation. I mean, it's engraved in our genes. We just, we just don't know. It's like when you're putting the transitions in a timeline. If that fade to black is a little too long, it has an effect. And yeah. as soon as you put yeah. it on there, you know. You know what works. You can see it. You can feel it. And you don't know why. But so what? It does. So just leave it yeah. there, you know. <laughs> and, and see, that, that's the important thing. That, that language of film and storytelling is there regardless of what equipment you're filming on. Mm -hmm. That's the beautiful thing. The fact you can create that spectacular connection and that moment of aha with an audience with something that's been filmed on a $300 smartphone or you can create that with something that's filmed on a quarter of a million dollar film camera. It's, it's, it's whether, you know, again, it's, it's, it's the same conversation. You, it's, it's having a choice and it's making sure that rather than us being dismissed continually as being the, the eternal novice in the film industry, it's about saying, you know what, maybe there's a space where we fit. Maybe there's a place here on the timeline where the things that we're making matter and should serve a purpose in, in creative arts history. And, and that's really what the work of tremendous festivals like yours are doing. That's what this movement hopes to represent is the fact that we, we're here, we make things, we matter and we count, and we've got something to contribute. Well, you know, I have, a, I have a slogan for, for this now. I don't know if you're looking for a slogan. How about stories matter? Stories matter. I'm writing it down. Yeah, because you know yeah. what? That is, you know, we've, we're going through this whole you know, people matter, uh, you know, the, the uh, black lives matter, blah, blah, blah. That's a very trendy one. And that's the truth right there. Stories matter. And it should, yeah. everyone's a storyteller. You know, yeah. we're storytellers before we begin to talk. That's why we uh, talk. <laughs> kids are some of the most incredible storytellers. Like, I think there's nothing more liberating as an adult than to sit down with, a couple of kids and, and explore storytelling with them because their imaginations are so unfiltered and and we've learned to wrap our lives in so much complexity that half of our creative process when we sit down and make a story is just peeling back those layers of expectation and and uh, the, the train tracks that we'd normally go down whereas a child doesn't have them and so if you ever need a great dose of inspiration go and have a chat with a child because they are master master tutors at storytelling yeah no it's and and Again, I yeah no we're we're on the same on the same path here. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a lot of energy, like you know, <laughs> magical right now. And I hope our listeners are too. Um, tell me before we get too long into this. Um, now, first of all, just just to uh, kind of confirm a couple of things uh, with our listeners, because you mentioned a couple of videos, the one with the words and everything. Do you think uh, we could include a link to that video or any of your videos? Oh, in the, okay, because we'll include them in the notes um, for sure. Um, and in the blog article that we'll write, we'll add it there too. So so you guys, yeah, so everybody, you know, you're going to get some candy, not just the audio yeah. on this so that you can see what we're, what uh, Jason is talking about and also, you know, links to Film Breaker. But, you know, there's this uh, – tell us a little bit. We're going to play a game. 
But before yeah. that, I want to touch base with the Pocket Film Academy. Mm -hmm. Go for it. So, Tell me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so Pocket Film Academy was really something I established a couple of years ago. I was, I was very fortunate to win um, a, a industry prize here from the government in, in Australia. Um to, in recognition of what I've been doing with, with uh, teaching people about mobile uh, filmmaking craft. And so I established um, an online platform called pocketfilmacademy.com. We've got a YouTube channel as well. And I just created a series of um, uh, tutorial videos, instructional videos on how to get started in storytelling in, in a smartphone space. So um, that resource is ever growing. I've got a whole new series of videos that I'm about to publish on that platform as well, um, which is great timing considering what, what we've just experienced now with the Film Breaker movement as well. We'll be sharing these videos with the Film Breaker movement too. Um, but it, it's it's all about just creating and sharing your ideas and your, and, and your IP. I think the more that we share, the more that we can all learn and uh, the better that we can make this industry and, and take it out of being a cottage industry into a, a thing that actually really matters and needs to be counted. And so Pocket Film Academy is is, is really um, a resource that, that I hope people can feel free to go and use to, to upskill and to, um, to, you know, ask questions about ways of making things on their smartphone. Uh, you were talking about the dare being the thing. There was this thing called uh, my first marketing campaign for this. There were white cards, and they said they had a QR code in the middle. I was very big on QR codes at the time. Yeah. And it said, uh, are you chicken? <laughs> 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 and so that was pretty much about all there was in it. And I would leave this all these cards just in random places, you know, so that people, when right. they found it, there was a double meaning to it. It's like, oh, yeah. I didn't just pick this up where I'd expect to pick up some sort of a marketing thing. But this was like, oh, look what I found. And it was like, look at this idea that we found. Look at this yeah. whole concept that we found. You know, that kind of a thing. So, yeah. Uh, don't so good. you chicken. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, the, the Pocket Film Academy, uh, and you already said, uh, the Earl too, so people should go there and sign up because, again, uh, this is this is it is a very simple thing, and yeah, you can learn as you go, but you could always use tips just like anything um, mm. from people who have experienced it and know just to cut cut you with a little you know little time. I know it took me weeks and weeks and 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 a lot of uh, persistence to find out find the iRig, you know, just so that I could yeah, connect right. my microphone to my iPhone 4 at the time. So, um, yeah, and that's a great thing. There's so much, you know, the, the, all the little gizmos and gadgets we come across today, um, which we all drool over to, to sort of expand what we can do. The wonderful thing is they cost a couple of hundred dollars, not a couple of thousand dollars. Yeah. So it actually makes it affordable and realistic to be able to purchase and and include in a job and 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 create things with you know and in fact that's probably the other thing i was going to say was I, so i've got two two entities the the pocket film academy um is is the educational side of what i do the other business that i run is is called treehouse creative or uh, we are treehouse on social if people want to look it up and that's a, a fully fledged um commercial production agency we do we, we manage content creation for a lot of different brands. Um, in Australia, we do international content creation as well, a lot of commercials, a lot of brand stories and documentaries. 
And we this year have decided to switch entirely to um, a smartphone content capture stream. So we've tossed out all of our big cameras and all of our big productions, including television commercials, are now filmed on smartphones. And we're editing, we're we're gradually shifting over to editing over on on, uh, iPads as well. So we're really just, we're putting the technology where our mouth is, we're, we're practicing what we preach. We're not just going out there saying to people, this is so wonderful, you can do this if you want to. We're actually doing it in a, a paid working environment and we're, we're working on decent budgets. I mean, we're, we're shooting things on, on iPhone that, you know, we're talking budgets of forty fifty thousand dollars $50,000 for a, a, a content piece shot on, on iPhone. And, People shake their heads in, in disbelief when I say that, but it's entirely possible. And, and I think it's really important to, to teach those skills to people around the world so everyone can enjoy the benefits of that rather than saying, you know, I need $20,000, $50,000 worth of gear before I can go out and start making money. No, you could you could have $2,500 worth of equipment and start tomorrow and pick up a $10,000 job. Well, yeah, and people don't even <laughs> – I, do, I did it uh, when I went to Comic-Con this year – where I, w- I shot B-roll, my favorite, um, B-roll, and then I interviewed people, cosplayers, right? And yeah. uh, once you know what camera movements are supposed to look like and things like that, once you have that experience, you just trade the camera for the for the phone. And, yeah. and when people are seeing that video, they don't know that it was shot. I shot it with a 4S, um, yeah. you know, which is, you know, 1080 HD, and that's it pretty much yeah that's all that it takes the lighting was already good because it's inside a convention you know uh so that was already good the sound sounded like a regular you know production camera because i hooked it up with the irig and a microphone so it's about uh how then i (laughs) i don't want to say slapped it all together but literally just kind of boom 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 on iMovie um with all my experience i've ever had with you know just editing simple corporate type videos and simple promotional videos and interviews and mini kind of promo documentaries and put it all together and then no one knows until yeah. you know they find out oh that was shot with a phone so totally and we've, we've had productions go to air before that even the client to this day still doesn't know what it was shot on that it was actually filmed on iphone and th- they wouldn't know and and you know what there was no reason for them to know because they they would judge it in a different light if they saw that they would then they would say why didn't you use a bigger camera but there was no need to yeah. um you know the end result was spectacular signed off and it's done its job and so that's you know but but more and more we're finding clients are now even more curious about the way we do things and they they not only want to see how and why we shoot on smartphones but they want us to train them in how to create their own content on phones as well so it's it's a massively buoyant industry right now. Um, this is the time of the, the film breaker. This is the time for smartphone cinematographers around the world to actually stand up and say, my time is now. I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm going to start making stuff. I'm going to enter it into International Mobile Film Festival. I am, I'm going to do something about my career that's empowering and I'm, I'm not going to take the crap anymore. I'm actually going out there and I'm, I'm carving my career. Boy, you rock. You can do my commercials. <laughs> um, okay, are you ready to play this game? Let's give it a shot. All right. So, <laughs> no pun intended, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, for anyone who hasn't even heard one single podcast, uh, we do this uh, little 20-second shout-out game. 
and uh, we have different themes for this. But what we thought we'd do with uh, with Jason uh, was that because he's been around like me, so I'm sure he has favorite uh, films shot with uh, mobile phones. Oh, you're going to ask so, me to pick a favorite. Yeah, well, I'm asking you to give me as many as you can within 20 okay. seconds. Oh, Whoever okay. gets okay. left out, it doesn't mean that Jason didn't think of you <laughs> <laughs> or of it. It's just that I'm just sort of, you know, this is like, surprise, guess what? Um, so uh, don't think about it too much because, you know, uh, just kind of see what happens. Are you ready yeah. for the for this dare? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm actually just trying to find a 20-second countdown on my watch, and I've just got one. So no, here no, we go. no. I'm doing this. Oh, you're you know, doing it. Okay, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm doing the hard work here on my phone. I've got the <laughs> alarm on my phone, my, my timer. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get ready, set, and go. Okay, so first up, would ha- I'd have to put Tangerine in there because it's a classic and it certainly holds a flag to uh, what's possible in mobile filmmaking. So Tangerine by Sean Baker, go and check it out. Uh, secondly, look up a film called No Budget by Christopher Stollery. It's a comedy. It's going to crack you up. Made on iPhone. Again, perfect. Lastly, a third film. Oh, I've got to get my third film in. Okay, you know what? Go ahead. I'll let you cheat. I started, I started just before the 20 seconds cut out. You must check out a film called A Good Day to Die by Adrian Jeffs. Um, he, he made this film. It is an incredibly serious film about depression and suicide. It was his first time entry into smartphone filmmaking and any kind of filmmaking. Uh, this film has gone around the world, done incredible things. It is a beautifully inspirational piece uh, and, again, holds a wonderful um, light to what's possible with a smartphone, an anamorphic lens, and the vision of a story that no one can tell like this guy can. So do you want me to tell you why I'm laughing? Why? So are you still trying to advertise my film festival? No, I'm just kidding. So basically, (laughs) both of those films won in my film festival last year. Yeah, so No Budget took uh, first prize, and Adrian's film, uh, Good Day to Die, that one took third place. So... (laughs) There you go. But, oh, you know, great, and great in the and the light of that, I'd like to bring up another one. Might as well just go for what who won second place. Uh, second mm-hmm. place, uh, Ari Tyros's film, uh, "How to How to Be How I Became a Movie Theater Murder." Um, oh. He's not Australian; he's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I watch international films, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. But that's another one. But see, all these films. Uh, they were nominated for the Global Mobile Film Awards, which is like the Oscars of the uh, film industry, the mobile film okay. industry. Uh, so, <laughs> so that just... is so funny. Well, there you go. The, the, yeah, if if you're listening and you haven't checked any of those out, yep. definitely Tangerine, uh, No Budget, and A Good Day to Die. Definitely. But today's not a good day to die. Um, as no, matter... <laughs> no, no. Today's a terrible bad day to die. In yeah. fact, today's the day that we all live. And yeah. we're going to. And we live a new way. There's daring opportunities, and it's time to own our stories. That's it, and own our destiny, and, and mark our place in the timeline of um, the the history of cinema. I mean, we're here, and uh, let's make it count. Yeah, well, and and speaking of making it count, <laughs> there's a. <laughs> I'll find a way to get into this really quick. Um, sure. Uh, this is, um, I just want to tell everybody to hop over to our Patreon page at SBP podcast, uh, because we're going to, uh, you're going to share some insights on, uh, settings for, um, 
uh, for apps that you should be looking for in order to make the best movies on your iPhone. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So for our patrons, you know, just, just, uh, you know, sign up, subscribe, um, and become our patrons and you'll have access to this, uh, to this exclusive podcast. But before we go, just, uh, I mean, we've gone into more than an hour here. So right now it's like, if people are still there, I'm sure they're still here. (laughs) Um, The three of you that are still listening. Thank you. Yes. And, um, (laughs) Don't count the time, even though I told you what it was. Um, <laughs> but what I would love for you to be able to do is, first of all, do you have any anything else that you'd like to bring up that you'd like to share? And then I want you to just mouth off for people who don't feel like reading to mouth mm-hmm. off your, your links and where to follow you. Sure. Okay. Um, I think you've, you've given me a great opportunity, Susie, to, to sort of talk about the things that matter most to me right now. And, and I appreciate uh, everyone for sticking around and hearing it. It has been a long chat. So uh, thank you for hanging in here. Um, if people do want to connect and find out more, um, the place to really go would be to, to jump on Facebook um, and look up Film Breaker, F-I-L-M-B-R-E-A-K-E-R. That's the place where it's all happening at the moment. Jump on and see where we're up to at the moment. I mean, this thing is growing exponentially every day. So you've got a welcome home there. Like that page, follow us, and you're in um, the Film Breaker uh, cinematic movement. Let's do it. First time in 16 years. Let's create something amazing and new together and uh, be really proud of it and stay connected. Sounds amazing. That's it? That's all you That's have? It. What about – so what is your uh, – if they want to follow you on social media, where should they go? Oh, okay, sure. Sure, sure. So, yeah, Jason Van Genderen, um, you might have to look in the comments to look, <laughs> look up the spelling of that <laughs> one. Um, so you can you can find me on Facebook um, and Instagram. Uh, if you want to check out Pocket Film Academy, we're on uh, yeah, Pocket Film Academy, all one word, uh, Instagram and Facebook as well, as well as YouTube. Um, and if you want to see any of the stuff that we've done commercially um, as a production house, uh, feel free to check out We Are Treehouse on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we've also got a website, treehousecreative.com. Hey, how did you do this? So I'm looking at the film breaker on, on Facebook right now. Mm-hmm. You've got 17,566 people that like it. Wow, it's past 17,000. That's great. Yeah, and but you have... 17,569 people who are following it. So there are even more people following it than liking it, which is a great sign. Which wow. is, which means like, oh, they followed you and they forgot to hit the like. Yeah. <laughs> they got excited. <laughs> that's fantastic. So I just thought I'd do this little, Yeah, you know. I can't even explain that, but that's great. <laughs> right? Well, I'll figure out a way. Uh, the, other, <laughs> the other thing is that by the time this podcast airs, so... I think it'd be really cool for for listeners to just kind of quickly go now that I just gave you that count there uh, to quickly go there because surely that's going to grow. What do you think? Just as a little oh, there. Look, I, I think so. That's the exciting thing. Uh, is this this is a community that's evolving in front of our eyes. And uh, again, I'm I'm pinching myself to to think that I was going to spend all of 2018 uh, trying to find 10,000 of you, and and you were oh, there in right. 24 hours, and now it keeps growing. So. You know, let's aim higher. I don't want to put another figure out there, but I, I think we can we can take this over the course of 2018. I think we are going to become a, a serious uh, uh, part of the equation, and let's make that happen. I wrote a little article, well, kind of a little big article. <laughs> it 
It's called <laughs> it's on the iceberg theory. Um and that's what I was referring to is the underground movement, the underground community. Uh you 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 know, people have seen the tip of the iceberg, uh, but there is this huge community underground that's been emerging and it's just a matter of time before a lot of it is going to come up and emerge. And I think your movement, it is a movement, right? It is absolutely a yeah. movement, a, a community, but a, a movement in, in the space that we want to be, we want uh, everyone out there that's listening that, that films on smartphones, we want them to have a place to call home. We want them to have their, their mark in, in creative arts history as well. It's definitely an upward movement. So everything that's underneath that iceberg is going is about to really show and move up. Um, yeah, we're, we're tipping it over. So jump on. Right on. That's awesome. <laughs> well, hey, thank you, listeners. Uh, hop over to patreon.com, SBP podcast, and listen to the exclusive podcast with um, with Jason Van, Den- Van Genderen. You got it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.